I don't know why I can't see it. That's weird. Uh, we are the we are the tide from the north. We're brave and we're bold. Defeating our rivals never gets old. Making our way to the big sky conference. Watch out, cause here comes the silver and gold. Whoa, whoa. This is Tubbs at the club for the vandals of Idaho. Welcome back, Tribe from the North, Brave and Bold, to the official, unofficial podcast of your Idaho Vandals and the Vandal Affiliate on the Big Sky Podcast Network. I am your host, Chris Hammond. Ugh. And with me today, I Brian Marceau. I love that you, we, no one has to ask Chris how he's doing. That's the most <laughs> muted intro he's recorded in the history of the show. If you're listening and you didn't see what happened to the game in the game, you already know, man. And you already know it, was, it had to do the second half. But anyway, good to be here. And the boat, boatman Alex, how are you? I don't know what's sadder, like the outcome of that game or Chris's voice right now, because <laughs> that might have made, made me sadder. Like, I got a whole night of UFC watching ahead of me, like 12 more fights to go, and now I'm just right. sad for it. I got I'm a bunch of people over, and we had a great time, and then, like all of us, all of a sudden, like look like, what? What the actual bleep just happened? Like, you know, Chris, uh, Chris, Chris, you you called this though, so I don't know why you're even sad. No, I went, I went against calling this. I tried to think it into fruition. My heart told me this was going to happen, or my so mind, my mind told me this was going to happen. My so heart be- said, "Go with your." Disregard your brain here. We're not going to have a letdown. Just be be happy that. You know, your mind has the Idaho team down to a D. So I think, Brian, all of our takes are useless from now on. Chris now knows what this Idaho team is going to do every week. So that's what I'm going with. I'm the immortalization of the University of Idaho. Yeah. Uh, speaking of that, ain't nothing like cracking them on. Sorry, they deserve better energy. <laughs> ain't nothing like cracking them on. Tucky Cold Sack, an ultra refreshing white beer born in majestic big sky country. Best part is when you crack a snack, you're giving back. Mon Tucky Cold Sacks donates 8% of all profits back to local causes, even right here in Idaho. Supporting organizations like the CW Hogs and the Idaho Food Bank. Yeah, that's freaking awesome. Mon Tucky Cold Sacks, the light American logger for pow pow rippers, gator anglers, pony riders. And badass do-gooders, visit MontuckyCoolSnacks.com today and find out how to drink your Vandal Sorrows to uh, tea. Anyways, uh, Around the Bar brought to you by Huge River Expeditions. We lost by 10. Did it get worse there at the end? I forgot. I, I turned it off for that touchdown. Could have like, been worse, but 10. 27-17. Yeah. Final. Yeah. But let's talk about before we lost, when it looked like we were going to win. Mm. Um what the actual fuck just happened? It, what I'm going to say happened, Chris, is look, I, off, it's two stories for us offensively, of course. The big takeaway we had last week was defensively, we looked elite against Eastern, holding, you know, Berrier was held to 5.7 yards per pass. We held the rush attack to 2.7 yards per rush. We, and that's against a very, a, a nationally strong offense. So there was reason for us to be pretty confident and to not see it coming that Davis would dominate on the offensive end the entire time. 24 of 30 passing, six total incomplete passes, averaged 9.6 yards per pass. 
they also ran the ball six point sorry uh yeah six point six yards per rush for Davis. If you're going to put up those, and that wasn't just like Yulonzo Gilliam having one big rush, they they had they had no trouble running the ball for much of the game, no problem passing. And at the end, our our offensive line wasn't buying Beaudry enough time in the second half for us to really have anything going. And what you saw was a ten point game, but there's a world where this was easily a seventeen point game with the way Davis was moving the ball from the first snap on. Yeah, it was just. I mean, Bowen. I mean, sorry, your takes. Yeah, um, obviously, talking about, I mean, disappointing. Um, we were missing nine players and two coaches to COVID, um, or that's at least what it looked like today. Um, you know, and, and they were pretty big guy, pretty big players, and it, it didn't help us. Um, run through some names. Jalen Hoover, who started in the corner last week. Jackson Woodward, who started his safety last week. Cade Coffey, big sky specialist player of the week. We were fine without him, it looks like. Cam Lang, who starts as our short snapper. Rasan Crawford, defensive captain and you know our most consistent interior player. Logan Floyd, our offensive line captain. And Matt Fapus. Did I say Matt Fapus already? Two of our best offensive linemen. And then our third best offensive lineman was got hurt last week due to injury. So we played without our three best offensive linemen today. That showed. We're also we're out Connor Whitney, um, who is our starting tight end and our holder. So we had a whole new grouper group of kicker snapper holder on PAT and field goal. They didn't show because Logan Prescott made an awesome field goal. And we were also out Leo Tomba who backs up Chuck at buck. Uh, yeah, it, it showed, it showed we missed those guys. We were gassed, especially at the end of the game. We looked so tired and I, th- and I think it kind of plays off each other. Um, we kind of got, we kind of got around our bad offensive line play for most of the game. And then that finally caught up with us. We had three straight three and outs in the second half after Beaudry's touchdown run, and our defense looked gassed from that point forward. They had no time off, and because we were missing guys who all play and contribute on defense, five guys I think I named who all start or play a lot, you could tell we got really tired, and they just wore us down. They they wore us down. They looked the fresher team, and, and I get it, They haven't, didn't play a game last week, and that shows, but you would think that the team um, who hadn't played in over 400 days – should be showing, you know, rust or mistakes here or there. They kind of got – they didn't really show that. If you would have told me which two teams hadn't played a game over 400 days, I would have told you Idaho from how the mistakes that we had made compared to theirs. So that's – it was frustrating. Um, You know, UC Davis is a good team. I think we now know how good this UC Davis team is. I think there was a lot of question marks. No one really knew what they were going to be like. And there's no reason this team can't be, I think, number – for my mind, I think they're the second-best team in the conference – as of today, I know who I'm ranking number two in the in the power rankings tomorrow. They looked at. I mean, I, I don't disagree with you. I mean, like I said, I I was here with a bunch of uh, Vandals former player and Tom Hennessy, um, and we were we were all shell shocked there fourth quarter, thirteen points unanswered there in the fourth quarter. Uh, we were in this game, and. Like out of nowhere, I felt like we controlled the first three quarters. Like mm-hmm. going in halftime, I felt like Idaho should have been up by more. It felt like UC Davis yeah. relied on a trick play by where Crawford threw the ball, and like they were only in it due to big chunk plays coming on. Well, one that first and twenty five was bad, but like what kind of fluky big chunk plays? Idaho looked like we were marching the ball down the field. 
Mike Beaudry looked way more athletic today than he did against Eastern. He had a couple big scrambles that converted third, third and longs. Um, but here we are, and, you know, the, the game just – it that fourth quarter, like it snuck up on us. Everybody here was just like they, – they kicked that field goal or whatever. And we're like, all right, well, we're field goal down. We just need to score. We punted. It was like six minutes left, and we're like, okay, well, we'll stop them. We didn't stop them. Like, they marched down the field relatively easy, and it wasn't pass plays. They were running it up the gut against us, and we're just like, all right, we got All-American linebackers. What is going on? Like, I don't know. I felt like after those first couple – once they got into the red zone and converted that one, like, third and eight, it just felt like that defense almost checked out, which is sad, but – I mean, it was going to be difficult anyways. It, but I think even when the offense came back on the field there with like, you know, I get it, like 40 seconds left or whatever it was, like no energy, no running to the ball, no. And I get it. I, I, I've i Being a Seahawks fan, I've seen it to where they get pissed off trying at the end when there's no chance and cause a bunch of personal fouls and becomes drama. So, like, I'm not saying that's what I wanted. But, man, there was no fight there at the end, offense or defense. And, I mean, it just sucks because – in my mind, we were still a better team. Like, we played a better four quarters. But, man, the problem is we just played one quarter significantly worse than the other team. And at the end of the day, the other team played good enough in those first three quarters. They, they just needed one good fourth quarter to win it. But Idaho, in my opinion, played the better game all around. But at the end of the day, we did not get the win because UC Davis had – a significantly better last 20 minutes than Idaho did. You know, there's there's a couple parts too there that we got to add in. UC Idaho held UC Davis on Davis's first drive uh, to a turnover at the two yard line. Davis went for it fourth and two. We held them. They also missed they a, they, that play. That was a terrible play call. It absolutely yeah. so it absolutely was Chris. But the reason I'm bringing that up and Davis also missed a field goal is Davis moved the ball the whole day. They. They had six total incomplete passes. You know, Hunter Rodriguez looked absolutely fine filling in for for Jake Mayer. 23-29, 243 yards, three touchdowns, no interceptions. They had two running backs. Uh, Gilliam, 26 rushes for 146 yards. Lan Le- Larison, however you say that name, 10 rushes, 66 yards. They moved the ball. They moved the ball the whole game, and what UC Davis didn't capitalize when they could have in the first half. Now, part of that was we did hold them, like we said. But, I mean, to me, Idaho certainly ran out of gas, but you got to mix in. Davis had no trouble with our secondary. Like, I really think we did get some feedback that those Eastern drops last week were might have been a bigger deal than we realized for how our uh, past defense looked. Because, seriously, from – the first quarter to the fourth. If they, when Davis wanted to move through the air, they had no trouble. And you're right. In the second half, they had way more success running. But by the second half, especially fourth quarter, we just didn't have any way of stopping them. While simultaneously, our offense, it was kind of weird how how our offense stalled because in the fourth quarter, it didn't look very good at all. But Beaudry only had ten incomplete passes on the whole day. Uh, we just essentially had nothing click at the end. Yeah, yeah. It, it felt like. I agree with you. Like our offense, I felt like had no big plays. Like one, it felt one. like we were held the, the, the Nick Romano wheel route. That was about yes. it. And and Logan Kendall breaking tackles for that one touchdown. It took it but took like, it took a lot of it took 
a two big plays of by individuals for us to even get touchdowns if you really think about no, it. And I, like I said, my concern going into this game was the reason we brought JJ in was to take the top off of defense. And without him, I was worried. Mike Beaudry, while today he looked a, a metric shit ton better at you know low to intermediate passing, um, we had no long ball threat. Because I love Hogan Hatton as an as a wide receiver is a stud. Control Haywood had a way better game today than he did against Eastern. But at the end of the day, we had nobody that could take the top off of the defense, so there was no threat. They just let us throw the ball underneath. As we said, Mike Beaudry only ten incomplete passes, but I don't have his yardage in front of me. I bet you he didn't throw for two fifty. Like you're correct, man. Two thirty six. And to buttress your point, Chris, if you subtract the wheel route. To Nick Romano, Beaudry had 108 on his other 36 passes. So it's 37 total. That one, the one to Romano went for 49. If you look at his passes minus that one wheel route, he had 187 yards on 36 passes. That's 5.19 yards per attempt. Whereas, like, talk Davis, yeah. Davis was 9.6 yards per attempt. And Beaudry didn't play bad. That's the worst part. Like, other than that pick in the fourth quarter when we're trying to go down and win the game down by 10. Like, so it's already going to take a miracle. That interception was bad. Like, there's no, like, that that was a bad interception. But it was the end of the game. You needed miracles anyway, so I get trying to force it. I'm not going to hold that one too much over Beaudry, but Beaudry today looked good. And just the issue was we had no deep threat. And UC Davis knew it, and they said, we'll let you get two to three to four yard dink and dunk plays. And we'll hit you with Gilliam on third and four and convert. And they did. And here we are, 10-point loss in the Gibby Dome <laughs> after probably the one of the top five biggest wins in Vandal history the last 20 years. Well, you know, it's – I think about you talking about the the longer pa- longer range passing game, and that starts up front. We didn't have the time. He didn't have the time to, to complete those. Three freshmen up front, right? Yeah, three true freshmen up front. We were down – Matt Fapusa, starting strong guard, our starting center in Chad Bagwell, who got hurt last week. And Logan Ridley, our best offensive lineman, our, our offensive captain, and and starting strong tackle. You missed your three best offensive linemen, your three guys who'd nailed down starting spots before anyone else, and a line that, in a part of the field that we'd already had massive question marks going into this year. That's never a recipe for success. And I had this feeling all game, we, we just – we we kept it too close. If we would have had twenty another touchdown going into that fourth quarter, or if we ever we were up twenty four to fourteen, if we would have done that right there, I think we win that game. I think our defense it's a little more time, a little more to rest. They get fired up a little bit more. Instead, it kind of felt like it felt nervy, and I and I know what that feeling is, and I know it's a it's a nervy feeling rather than like a, a confident one. It's 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 a really weird spot, and that's what happened. Um, so that. That turnover at the end of halftime ended up being more crucial than we thought it was. Because I, I think so. Because I mean, then you're that was in field goal range. I mean, then you have made it. Maybe not, but it was in his range, right? Yeah. Maybe you run it there. You get even a little bit more in his range. And at the time, we were winning. You know, kind of big was a fourteen three or whatever. Uh, we were winning, and it's like, okay, well, we're up big, like. End of the day, it was halftime. We were taking a shot at the end zone, but there you go. Another mistake. Once again, I get what Beaudry was doing. He was trying to make something. I'm not going to say that that was bad quarterback play, but it wasn't smart quarterback play. Like, we could have been, been up 13-7. Was, 
Incomplete. Well, let's oh. kick the field goal and go up by 17 points or 14 points. It would, it would, like, have, been thir- it would have been 13 to 7 at halftime. We went up by 6, um, which makes it a different game because, I mean, you know, I mean, we can't complain about because field goals didn't go our way um, after last week. So, uh, and they missed one too. So, scratch it off the board in terms of kind of missed miss three points for both teams today. Um, not a lot of penalties today, both sides. And, you, you know, I would have thought, again, UC Davis, first game in 400-something days, you see more procedural penalties. I don't know. I think they had that chop block. Um, they had three penalties for 35 yards. We had two penalties for 20 yards. Penalties were a wash. Um, did not really make a difference. They had, they had the one penalty on PI on the first play of the game. They had a chop block, and then I don't know if they had anything else. So I think I was – I think Idaho – UC Davis came out really, really well. They didn't make a lot of mistakes, and we needed them to kind of make some mistakes. We we left them in that game too long when we could have, you know, got up by another touchdown, and that would have made it a lot different. But we didn't. We deserved that loss. Um, we now have that continual track record of a big win followed up by a stinker of a loss, and now we go on the road next week to Flagstaff. Um, Chris, what's the score right now behind you? I see the game's on. 31-6 Eastern. So. so, NAU not looking great. So, knowing this Idaho team, whoever predicted 4-2 four, four and two this year, I think, Brian, you might have. I'm liking you right now a hell of a lot, Brian. I think you're about right right on where this team is in terms of development. Some growth, definitely growth, but, yeah, we're just missing the mark. I think this team's just kind of missing the mark just a little bit. But so, I think we're seeing – Guys, is heading into the season, our questions were often biggest questions we all said offensive line, secondary were the yep. biggest biggest areas of concern. And what I think we're seeing after two weeks is those are still absolutely lo- areas of concern, which is to say they have not fixed themselves. We already I, we know that injuries <clears throat> injuries COVID stuff contributed to the line issue this week, but this is two consecutive weeks where running the ball Idaho has not looked strong whatsoever, nowhere near. As strong Bo- OG was our leading rusher. So our last two weeks, our leading rusher was a our linebacker and our quarterback, who was a non-rushing quarterback. So 6'5", 250 pound quarterback. So our leading rusher is five eleven has not been our running backs who last year all averaged around five yards a carry. It's two guys who you would not expect to be your leading rushers back to back weeks. Exactly. Back to back weeks where Nick Romano, who we we know he's a good player is just not getting the kind of space that he needs. Roshan Johnson was steady at four yeah. four attempts for 21 yards, 5.3 per carry. He needs um, the ball more than four times. He, he does. That's an embarrassing total. Like, if you look at the rest of our rest of our rushers, uh, Keon Martinez, 3.5 yards per carry. Nick Romano was 3.6. Dylan Thigpen was one yard. Logan Kendall, three yards per carry. Um Mike Beaudrieu's our own was above Mike Beaudrieu's above five yards per carry, but of course his rushes come mostly on kind of broken plays. Like we're we're not running this army of quarterback keepers for Beaudrieu, and we're I would expect we will continue to not run a ton of those. Though he did look better, um, you know he did look more athletic today than he did last week. But when you you mix that with secondary, that again those Davis had no trouble getting their receivers open the entire game. If you look at their receiving output, uh, Crawford for UC Davis, eight receptions, 120 yards. Jared Harrell, four receptions, 55 yards. Castles, four receptions, 51 yards. Their best returning receiver, Chris Vaughn, only had 
five receptions for 35 yards, but we, we just walked through four guys on their receiving end who were pretty significant contributors. And if we're going to, if Idaho is going to be more, we either need, we, first off, we just need a stronger offensive output. If you look at defensive points allowed last season, Weber state was elite defensively. They allowed 23 points per game, which means if you're not an elite defense still needs 24 points a game to win. So if we're only going to get, if we're only going to contribute 17, we have to be like best in the FCS on the defensive end, or we're just going to have to deal with days like this. Uh, I thought Boatman may, may have had a guess. You had a take. I, I'm being interrupted and here he is. It's number 50 Ed Hall. Ed thoughts on the game. Uh, good game. Could have done better. We almost had him, but we didn't. That's all you got? That's all I got. That's it? That's it. All right. Did, did, Trey, did Trey Walker hit that guy as hard as you hit that guy in 2018? Did Trey Walker hit that guy as hard as you did in 2018? Close. You hit him harder. <laughs> Trey had a lot of good hits, though. It's a good game he from did. Trey. Trey. Trey played out of his mind. Yeah. So no Trey's more about to team right now. That's it. Those are all your hot takes? For now. For now? Yeah. I'm pop back in later? Maybe in a couple months. Maybe in a couple months. September. Is that what you're talking about? Yeah. All's hot take. Maybe March and after the Southern Utah game when we're both in the game? Yeah. All right. There we go. And after the Southern Utah game, that got confirmed. Yeah, so sorry. I've been distracted this whole time. Ed's been in my apartment in Seattle. He's distracting me. We're trying to figure out what to what to drink for the rest of the night um, for UFC. But um, what? Yes, Brian. Well, I was going to say you can. T- I mean, you can just tell from that segment. Ed, Ed's obviously been talking your ear off the whole time, right? Ed's a it's a quiet guy until you, especially around a microphone. You get him around just just me. A lot different story, but that's why we lived together for for four years. So you got um, UFC to go to. So let's start trying to wrap this puppy up. I want a real yeah. question. So stat line deceiving. I I will go. I just tipped my hand there. Beaudry, uh, he went. Oh God, I want the basketball scores. He went twenty seven for thirty seven, two hundred thirty six yards, one touchdown, two interceptions, two interceptions, one before halftime on kind of a hail mary thing. The second one, fourth quarter, and like you needed a miracle. Is it safe to say that Mike Beaudry did not lose this game? Um, so we ran sixty-five offensive plays. Forty-five involved Mike Beaudry either throwing or running the ball. I think that's too much. I mean, for a quarterback, I mean, for a guy who is still relatively new to the system and, and new to new to the university and I to Idaho and Coach Petrino, I'd like to see the ball spread around more to our running backs personally. I mean, I talked about that on Tuesday and I'm still going to hammer on that. And I think we need to run the ball better. Um, I don't think he lost us this game. I, again, I think the, the lack of offensive line and the lack of time he had in the pocket, we saw him scramble a lot, a lot more today than we did last Saturday. And we did not see as many longer developing routes today as we did last Saturday. So, you need that. He looked more efficient today. His two picks were both bad. The last one was garbage. The set, the first one, bad mistake. So he's had, he's kind of thrown two picks this year that were just total um, should have saw it coming mistakes. So I don't think he lost this game. I think he needs to play still a little better 
and I still want to see this offense evolve more. And I see kind of want to see him go through his progressions more um, to find a second and third guys. I'd say, he, I'd say he looks a lot different on deep throws compared to intermediate passes where his bigger misses are on deep throws where right now when we pass it beyond like 20 some yards, it kind of feels like we're spinning the roulette wheel with him. Um, so I guess that's that's what I want to see uh, develop later on uh, because we absolutely have had moments where we see him look strong. He certainly didn't have a half like he did first half against Eastern this week. So that's you know positive step as far as development goes. But you know, like we said earlier, minus the wheel route uh, to Romano that went 49 yards, he went for 187 yards on 36 passes. Obviously, that's not enough. Like if we were talking about Mason last year, we'd be talking about how like, look, we just didn't get enough production out of out of quarterback mm-hmm. uh, to make this work. I'm going to use the same standard of obviously he didn't lose the game. But if we're going to score more than 17 points, part of that is be- is getting better production out of Beaudry for sure. Yeah. Yeah. So articles out of wherever this week, you know, Beaudry, Regina, Bourne, um, Possibly something we haven't talked about much here on the podcast. Maybe we should. He's getting CFL draft nods. Yeah. Is CJ Jordan ready? Like, I, me personally, I'll tip my hand here once again. I would like to see Mike Beaudry back in the fall. I, I think while I have faith in Jordan, I think Idaho's future is brighter the longer we can cook Jordan. Um, but apparently there is an option that, because, as we've touched on with Dave Unger, that Canadian citizenship is huge in the CFL, especially, as everybody knows, in the quarterback position. That's huge. The yeah. fact that you can get a dude who, if Mike Beaudry can look anything like he did for most of today and the second half of Eastern, whether he's a backup third-string starter, that's huge in the CFL level. So there is an odd shot we don't have Beaudry next year due to the CFL draft. Is this team ready without somebody like a Beaudry? Um, I think today, actually, with the more inexperienced offensive line in terms of uh, needing to scramble more, someone with C.J. Jordan's abilities would have been better suited for the today's kind of game. Um, we saw Hunter Rodriguez today, who by all means actually looked like one of the better big sky quarterbacks. Now we can start mm-hmm. ranking every big sky quarterback we see because we did not know how that was going to look this year. That was kind of our narrative all off season. Um, the ability to scramble and make plays was, was huge. So, you know, um, I, Chris, but everything I've heard is that Bojer, I think is playing on coming back in the fall from what I've, from what I've heard so far. Um, yeah. Just, just because I, th- I mean, even though the CFL draft is not till I think May, May per usual because our season starts in June, um, I think he wants more, just more time. I think to to build up his resume to and get even higher. He, and he has NFL aspirations, so I, it yeah. makes sense to come back in the fall. XFL aspirations. I feel like it's hard to move down in the CFL draft if you're a CFL born. I mean, Dave Unger was what like a top twelve pick. And yeah. no one knew that was going to happen just because his and, mom's and Canadian, so his value is so high. Like, Beaudry is a better get for a team at a 12 pick than a wide receiver in Unger. And I, I like Dave Unger a lot. But, like, if you can get a quarterback that's Canadian-born, that's a little bit more valuable than a wide receiver. I mean, obviously, yeah. quarterback position yeah. as a whole is more valuable. So but, I think he can only improve coming back in the fall, no matter how this spring turns out. Yeah. Um, 
And I think he's shown signs that – I mean, man, he's coming off two years of not playing. Like, can you imagine what he'll look like possibly in the fall? Like, he – I mean, NFL is still a stretch, a very large, large stretch. But, I don't know, if you're 23, why not shoot for it? The CFL is always going to be there if you're a Canadian. That's kind of my take. So I want to pull us back to the game real quick, and I want to – I have a question for both of you guys, which is – one of the things we talked about, and when I say we mean I talked about uh, on our last episode, was like if we're if Idaho's going to finish well this season, we're going to see a couple corners turned that relate to performance last couple of years. We certainly came off a, a game against Eastern where I think no one's in disagreement here. We we feel like this we didn't we didn't look anywhere near as strong this week as we did last week. But I'm curious if you guys feel that how much of this is a letdown. How much of this is maybe UC Davis is better than we thought? So that was my next question. UC Davis receiving top 25 votes going into this week, which, reminder, I know everyone's like, well, so what? We're top 25. They've been receiving top 25 votes, much like Idaho, but they hadn't played. Like, I I strongly, personally believe, had they played last week against Cal Poly and won, we don't know, Cal Poly could be good this year too. Um, yeah. They would probably have been in that 20 to 25 range. So I feel like this loss is going to get a little bit more hate than it deserves. UC Davis is a good team. Um, so for me, I think it's a mix. There's every single team last week looked rusty. Every team Eastern, Idaho, NAU, Southern Utah, Idaho State, Weber State. Weber State, Idaho State was like 0 0 at the end of the first quarter or something. Like, Every team looked rusty last week in the big sky. And I know we're saying, we talked about it here earlier, UC Davis did not look rusty. So for me, that just goes to show a little bit about how Idaho maybe had a mentality towards this game. Because there's no way you can look at possibly Weber State, who's possibly the number one team in the country, uh, ranked number two in the country right now. Like, I think they're going to be number one after JMU stinker today against Elon. So I think yeah. they now can say the big sky is the number one team in the country. Well, North Dakota made an impressive another top 20. They did. We'll see. But um, either way, they're consensus top two. Consensus top two. Um, And they looked rusty last week. So if you're Idaho and you have a team who should have had that rust, which was my key to the game, capitalize on the rust, they showed no rust. And it's hard for me to believe there was no rust because every team, including North Dakota State, has shown rust. So I feel like there was rust. Just Idaho did a terrible job of capitalizing on the rust and made it look like maybe UC Davis wasn't that rusty. Maybe I'm not giving Dan Hawkins the credit he deserves, but like, I don't know that I felt like we should have been able to get out and we got out to a lead. That was my big thing. Can we get out to a lead and hold it? We got out to a lead, just not obviously not big enough of a, of a lead. Yeah. So Yeah. I don't know. I mean, Brian, going back to your questions, um, I think UC, this UC Davis team is good. I think after watching two weeks of Big Sky football, I can kind of group the Big Skies into three different tiers of teams in terms of Weber State above everyone else, this tier of Idaho, Eastern, UC Davis, and the second tier, kind of what we all thought, which after seeing Idaho and UC Davis play a close game for 55 minutes, I can comfortably say that. And then – this other tier of Cal Poly, NAU, Southern Utah, Idaho State, which are all just flaming piles of garbage, probably. I hope I don't bite my words if we when we play NAU next week. Um, 
<laughs> yeah, <laughs> I hope. Uh, so that's kind of how I see these these three tiers of teams, and I think we just we've played you know two of our our peer our absolute peers in back to back weeks, and it showed. I mean, I don't think I think we still have some corners that we that we need to turn. Are these performances to me both are very similar? We did some very similar things in terms of outputs of yardage, scoring was 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 close. I hope, I'm not hope, but it was close. I mean, we just made a couple more. We just didn't capitalize like we should have. Um, I think his UC Davis team is better than maybe we thought, but not that much better. Um, and then I think we we're still getting there. And if and if Beaudry can progress. As, as much as he did from week one to week two, as he's, if he can progress week two to week three, as much as he did week one to week two, I think we're in a good spot going forward for the rest of the year. And then um, we have to play one more game with with no one around. Um, or not no one around, with those guys out to COVID. And then we have the bye, and then we come home and play Southern Utah. So I hope we get if we get through next week and we're two and one, that's the, that just make the run that last three weeks and try to finish out with a winning record. To, yeah. And you know, I, and try for I don't want to make this about COVID because I felt like the team had depth. Um, and a 10 point win, but when, like you said, Idaho was played better for probably 55 minutes. It's just so weird to think like, what would this game have been? I mean, it's like Eastern, right? Like last week, what would it have been had Andrew Boston and coach best and, these guys have been able to be on the sidelines, but we can't say that. We at least Eastern gets another shot at us. We don't get another shot at UC Davis. So, yeah. My question to you guys: what What's it going to take to resurrect the playoffs? Because right now, with this loss, I would assume UC Davis moves into that number one playoff spot out of the Big Sky for at large. Obviously, Weber probably is getting the uh, the automatic. So UC Davis probably taking that playoff spot. If you're Idaho, I'm assuming you're rooting for UC Davis to upset Weber next week and then beat <laughs> UC Davis. Like, are we are we Aggies fans now? No, man. I'd say no. it's good. So my take on that is is actually going to be piggyback off my take for the game, which is I think we found out. Look, every team has a certain margin for error on what they need to happen to to win a game. I think we found out that our offensive line doesn't really have much margin for error whatsoever to have people be out and for, and to be able to give us the kind of protection we need. I think our secondary is similar where we, we can't really afford to have anyone be out and that still might not be enough uh, against a team that can pass the ball pretty well. Like you see Davis, but our playoff, look, our playoff hit chances are what we all probably thought. A lot of us here expected Idaho to sit one and one after the first two weeks, your playoff hopes are still alive. Every game's a playoff game at this point because you cannot take a second loss. If what we need to do is hope Idaho wins out, I think we need to expect to hope Davis loses to Weber and that Davis finds a separate loss somewhere else. They play Eastern, Eastern before, before they play us. For UC Davis to beat Weber or lose to Weber and beat Eastern, because then we at the end of the week, uh, end of the year. That's why I'm like. Is it more important that they beat Weber? but lose to Eastern, mm-hmm. but then you create this log jam of possibly yeah. so, at the end of the year. So, so here's the thing where, where I think is going to happen. I think we're going to have three, five, three, four and one teams, or I guess three, one loss teams going into the second to last week of the year. 
Um, we play Idaho State April 3rd. Davis plays Eastern. They probably will have lost to Weber. And Eastern Hat will probably be 3-1 and one as well going into that game when they play UC Davis. I, I, I like our chances to come out of that week 4-1. and one. I mean, I just look at who we have to play. We should be 4-1 and one when we play Eastern second time. Now I think between Davis and Eastern, the loser of that game is going to have two – when they play, is probably going to end up having two losses – and going to be completely out of playoff contention. So I think that's going to, that's going to be a loser out game in playoff contention. If Eastern wins, it pushes it to a, a weird, uh, it pushes it to Idaho Eastern pretty much playing game for the playoffs the following week. You get into weird scenarios where all three teams have two losses. I don't know how you go from there. That'll be up to the playoff committee. We, but so we no we get we get one yeah. So yeah. anyway, I mean. I, honestly, if you're Idaho, just can try to win your next three games until Eastern. You probably assume Davis is going to lose one to Weber and probably lose to Eastern as well. If I had to guess between those two teams, I actually I don't know who's going to win that game. We just know one of those teams is going to lose and have two losses. So let me put it in a simpler way really quick. Yeah. All of us expected if Idaho made the playoffs, it was going to be at large is how we made it. Yeah. Because Weber, even if they lose a game, they have a way too easy schedule to expect they're going to lose two. Nothing changed for us today. We are still playing for the at-large bid. UC Davis is just more in the competition than we thought, but we should expect Davis to be down a game after Weber. So, yeah, well, like we do need help to make the playoffs. But our game, plan, yeah, our game plan is really no different. UC Davis or Eastern will eliminate the, each other when they play each other. And then if we are fortunate enough that it's Eastern who eliminated Davis the week before, our destiny is in our own hands. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I mean, I mean, we, they'll be top. Both of them will be top twenty-five after this week, assuming Eastern blows a like forty-one-seven win here in the last three yeah. minutes. Both teams should be top twenty-five when they meet. The loser will probably still be in the top twenty-five. Whether that be, let's just say it's Eastern, right? Let's say Eastern loses to UC Davis, they'll still be top twenty-five. It means Idaho has a shot at the end of the year, pending COVID. Our last game of the year is still a win if we win, which a whole different story from when that week rolls up at Eastern. That would yeah. put you at a loss against a team who probably would have been top 25 but wasn't, so that will hurt you. Win against a top 25 team and a win against a top 25 team. problem for us is the rest of our schedule is easy. So yeah. we, can't, we can't slip up. One, not even schedule-wise. Even if we had won this game against UC Davis, there's there's no margin for error. The rest of our schedule – we should win, and we should win handedly. So, especially that last game what's, what's going on behind you. And yeah. I agree. With, I I would prefer Eastern beat UC Davis, and I think yeah. UC Davis losing the Weber would help because then there are two losses, and there's no like, well, you have all these teams with one loss yeah. that are competing for the same spot, and UC Davis beat Weber, but lost yeah. to Eastern, but UC Davis lost to Weber, and that was our, or Weber lost to UC Davis, and Idaho beat Eastern, but lost to, you know, like, we don't yeah. want this mashup where the committee's deciding it. Weber needs to go undefeated at this point for Idaho to win, to get in the playoffs, and Idaho needs to hope that UC Davis loses and loses to Eastern, and then at the end of the year, you have a ranked top probably 15 Eastern Washington that you beat on the road before Selection Sunday, and that momentum will carry you. But yeah. that's where we're at. I mean, say I mean, said. 
I mean, I mean, I think for us, we still control our own destiny because the person, yeah, the, 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 team, the team who you need to help that we need help from is thank God a top five team in the country and has an inside track to win the whole thing. And, that, and honest to God, that's where we're at. Um, so yeah, I, I mean, that's who we need help from. And so thank God that's a team that, that we need help from because yeah. I, I like our chances. Yeah. And- Chris, I got one. I know we're going to jump off real quick, but I do think just to to get to pull back to something we did during basketball episodes, I think it might be helpful for listeners if each of us gives real quick what we think our story of this game was. Mm. You want to start? Yeah, not a problem. Not a problem there. My story of this game is the is the margin of error that I talked about earlier of. Idaho's got some some strengths that we we've talked about for sure, but against good teams, our secondary and our offensive line are not yet strong enough for us to want for us to to be able to handle only putting up 17 points per game or to handle some of the pressure that that we saw. So the development for me, the story that I'm gonna that I saw from this game that I'm gonna look at for next game is can we start to buy ourselves some more time with that offensive line? Because if we can that that's what's going to make our offense a lot stronger relative to what we thought we'd see with a guy like Beaudry at the helm. But those, those questions we had heading into the season so far, our answer is that our secondary and our own line are not yet, they, they aren't developing the way that we had hoped for. That's what we're going to need. If we're going to keep talking about this playoff run. Yeah. Yeah. Um, if I had to say what my story, story of the game is, is what's next kind of piggyback off of Brian. You know, we we talked about preseason. If we split, if we said we split opening two games one one, we would probably be happy with the development of this team. I think we also feel a little sad, disheartened, and sad we didn't go two and zero because I feel like we think we should have after watching both games. Um, so I, I guess if you had told us two preseason we're one and one, and we developed this far, we'd be happy. So I think we're starting to expect more from this team. So how do we? Where do we go from here next? Do is this team say? you know, get the monkey off its back and say, screw it. And let's just go, go win and go take care of the next three weeks. Or do they kind of let this get in their mind and bog down a little bit? So that's, that's, I guess what my story of the game is. Yeah. My story of the game. Um, is just finishing like, right. It, it sounds like coach speak, but how much, how many times has finish been put on the back of a shirt, right? Like we had the lead going in the fourth quarter. We had a lead going into halftime. We had a lead at the end of the first quarter. It, it was the opposite of Eastern. We did not lead at the Eastern game until we scored that touchdown with Hayden Hatton. We did not trail in this game until midway through the fourth quarter, about six minutes left. What happened? Why couldn't we finish? Like, and how are we going to perfect that going forward? I get that Eastern or sorry, UC Davis is probably the toughest team left on our schedule, other than Eastern, but. At the end of the day, we did not finish that game. There's no one to blame but ourselves in that game. We had the lead throughout the game. We played well throughout the game. Beaudry, despite the stat line, played well throughout the game. The defense hit people throughout the game. Our secondary looked like they were short some people, which they were throughout the game. But at the end of the day, I don't lost that game. UC Davis did not win that game. Yes, they played well enough to win it. But at the end of the day, Idaho controlled their destiny. They led the entire game until the very end. At the very end, Idaho broke. UC Davis did nothing special to beat us. 
In the first half, they beat us specifically on trick plays. In the second half, we let UC Davis win. We lost our energy. Like everybody here was saying, when they scored that final touchdown to make it 10 points, they ran the last like four to six plays were just run plays up the middle. And we had no answer for it. And when you have three to four All-Americans at linebacker, that should not work. We let them win this game today. I expect a different fire out of them going forward. But the end of the day was my, my story of this game is finish. How are we going to finish the rest of these games? Because there will be UC Davis's down the line. We are not going to blow everybody out. We have close games coming up. NAU could be close. Idaho State could be close. Southern Utah probably won't be. But Eastern could be close. I don't expect us to blow out many teams left. How are we going to finish? Because we controlled our destiny in this game till the end, and we did not finish. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah. That's it. Uh, oh, well, uh, Brian, do you have Hughes River? I don't have it pulled up. Sorry. I'm, I'm out and about. I don't have my setup. You know, we can definitely get there. This is just telling us really quick that we probably have a last point to get to before we uh, close up shop. So I'm, while I'm pulling this up, uh, I'm going to throw it to Chris, throw it to Alex. Uh, MVP is for both teams. Mm. For me, Hunter Rodriguez. Um, for the, the quarterback for UC Davis, played lights out. And then for Idaho, <sighs> It's tough. No one stood out to me. That's that's how I know we disappointed. Um, I'll still say I'll say I say both quarterbacks, both quarterbacks. Without both quarterbacks, if we have quarterback situations from a couple years ago, I don't know if we even put up seventeen points today. Uh, I'll go Alonzo Gilliam. When you, anytime you can get one hundred forty six yards, you deserve a ball. Uh, you know, ball. Uh, also for defense. Trey Walker. Trey Walker had another fantastic game. He hit people. The stats might not be as jump off the, you know, 15 tackles, one forced fumble, one interception, like they were against Eastern, but he he dropped the pick. He was in on a play that caused the fumble. He didn't necessarily cause it. He was actually tackling the dude when I think Tyree Stedman caused it. But, like, Trey Walker was still all over the field. Trey Walker might be the best team on this – or best player on this entire team. Definitely is. He's a true junior – like uh, Christian Ellis, been quiet so far this year. I know he 15 tackles last week, but like Chuck, Chuck has been quiet too. True, yeah. Where are these guys? Like Trey's Trey's holding up his end of the bargain of all American. You guys look like the best linebackers in the Big Sky. We need you to be the best linebackers in the country. I said that no question. There's three all Americans in this linebacking core, and right now it looks like there's one. So I'm not saying they played bad. They'll probably still be all conference. Like not a shot at these dudes, but man, these dudes have so much more potential. They, they set the stage and they're not playing the game. Like they, the three of them could all be all Americans. And we have one of them playing at all American caliber right now. Christian Chuck, come on. You got four games left to make the playoffs. And possibly a couple more after that. Let's see it, baby. Like it's in you. We saw it last year. It's there. Let's see it. Because Trey, Trey's doing it. Trey is doing it. We need the rest of these linebackers to step up. Trey's had two fantastic games. Chuck's coming off an injury. Christian, I mean, 
I don't know. I, if anything, it's good for Idaho because he might not declare for the draft this year. But, you know, hindsight 2020, I'd rather Christian be play freaking lights out and get drafted than come back for the fall. I mean, call me greedy. I'd rather have us have Vandals in the pros than Vandals on the field come fall. So I'm rooting for Christian to light it up this spring and get drafted. But the way he's playing right now, he'll be back in the fall. I want to see him get out this spring. And my, I'm going to go MVPs for Idaho. Look, if a team scores 17 points a game, there's no offensive MVP. MVP. That 17 yeah. points is just not enough. If, you, if you're requiring your defense to be nationally elite for you to win games, that's unreasonable. So Trey Walker, 19 total tackles, 7 solo tackles, 12 assisted, 1.5 tackles for loss. Hard to be doing much more than Trey Walker was out in the field. For UC Davis, we got a lot to pick from. And I'm going to agree with with Boatman, though. Hunter Rodriguez, it's his first time starting. We all were wondering how they were going to handle replacing Jake Mayer plus replacing Tim Plough as the offensive coordinator. Hunter Rodriguez had no difficulty. 23-29, 243 yards, three touchdowns, no turnovers, man. That's a pretty yeah. nice stat line. Nine, Like I said, a thousand times now, 9.6 yards per attempt. You're gonna throw. You're gonna yeah. average nine point six yards per attempt. You're gonna win a ton of games, but Chris, yeah. that is around the bar. And so, that, real quick, I'm I'm gonna amend mine for Idaho. It's gonna be Logan Prescott. Yeah, and I'm gonna pick out cage replacement today. Get Logan Prescott, it. four punts, forty five point eight yard average, fifty seven long, and a long field goal of forty. What was it? Forty seven yards, which is Idaho's longest made field goal since Austin Rico. We've had the longest field goal since 20. That's our longest field goal since 2016. So, yeah. Hey, right in the fucking middle. When I'm picking out, well, I don't want to pick out the, the punter kicker, but when you lose your, you know, all, all conference, all American guy um, due to COVID, good to know that that's, that's who we had to back him up. So, yeah. I absolutely love the boatman is able to circle back special teams. Always. That's, that's like my favorite subtext in the back, sub in the back every pocket. episode. Like the last episode, I jokingly brought up the punter duel, and then Boatman, because he knows it, just jumps in for five minutes on special teams. It's easy. I'm, I am glad that we got to circle back here because that is maybe the best way to end this episode. Chris, always you got the bottom of the box score, always the last take I have. And Chris, anything else you want to add before we close the bar? Oh, yeah. Dan Hawkins goes 7 0 as a head coach against the University of Idaho Vandals. Uh, they're now 9 1 against the Vandals all time. Not good for not a good look for the Idaho Vandals. Dan Hawkins has been a monkey on our back for a while. Uh, last time against UC Davis, he beat us by 17, beats us by 14. I believe his combined overall win against his assistant head coach, et cetera, 24.9. So we barely kept him to where he was historically. Historically, he just beats us, and it sucks. I was hoping we'd get the monkey off our back. For those of you who were wondering who the one win was, it was his first year as an assistant when we handed the ball off to Joel Thomas to go for two at Broncos Stadium against the Manitarian Bowl. So his first year at Boise State was the only year we got the best of him, and he was an assistant coach at the time. Dan so, Hawkins has our number. I try to pump this up. It's a, a revenge game against Dan Hawkins, and it's not that. Here he is. He's on KTIK. They're still interviewing him down here. The Broncos love him. This was an opportunity to shut the book on him, and we let, him, we let Dan Hawkins write the story. And all fair to him, he's a good coach. He's a good man. Like, I don't hate Dan Hawkins. I hate a lot of Bronco coaches more than I hate Dan Hawkins, one of which rhymes with Chris Peterson. But 
Dan Hawkins all along. Good guy. Good dude. But nine and one against the Vandals all time. And eight Cody Hawkins better play caller than quarterback. That's my that's my story of the game. Cody Hawkins yeah. better play caller. Cody than Hawkins better OC than quarterback. <laughs> so Chris, does that make Dan Hawkins when he's playing Idaho? Is he a pristine bitch? I would say he's a. We've already broken the explicit. So yeah, I'd say he's on pristine bitches. Okay. Perfect. Speaking of things that are pristine, Round the Bar, brought to you by Hughes River Expedition. If you're looking for a great, all-inclusive, week-long vacation, don't look past your own backyard. Venture into the largest protected wilderness in the continental United States, located right here in the great state of Idaho. Enjoy a multi-day trip down the Middle Fork of the Salmon, the main Salmon River of no return, the Salmon River Canyons, or the Selway. You, you can even check out special trips like the one to see the Persai Meteor Shower. Camp on pristine beaches, run amazing whitewater, hike scenic trails, spot wildlife, soak in beautiful natural hot springs, take in the history along the river, and fish some of the most remote stretches of river in the country. You just bring your clothes and let HRE handle the rest. Hughes River Expedition has been vandal-owned and operated since 1976 and ready to, ready to take you on a vacation of a lifetime. What are you waiting for? Find out what it's like to grab a paddle, catch dinner, and ride the bull all throughout the gem state. Call them now at 800-262-1882 or check them out at HughesRiver.com. Thank you. Thanks for our special guest, Ed Hall. That's it. Uh, I'll take the hall. For all of you guys who are live, yeah, unless Ed Hall's got some takes. No, Ed Hall has no takes. We'll save him for Southern Utah if I can drag him him around when I come back to Moscow. Uh, Well... Uh, basketball, big tonight tournament. We got media credential, wall photos. I don't know. The, our te- women's team worth covering. Men's team. I try to forget they exist. Daily. Stadium to open, and that's all I'll say. Let's get a little excitement around that program. Uh, keep a PC here at Tubbs the Club. Um, but uh, football will be back Tuesday live on YouTube. You can find us. You know, every for those of you that are still unaware, we do YouTube live on Tuesdays. You'll still find us on Thursdays on wherever you get your podcast. Big Sky, Big Take, probably an avoider this week because I'm sure we'll get Shard on because uh, they'd love to kick us down. But, hey, we're the Idaho Vandals, and we have the best band in all the land. Go Vandals. Go Vandals. Go Vandals.